I think that your best work is always gonna come from what you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? Veronica G. Cardenas takes us to the Texas-Mexico border. This is Beyond the Newsroom. I'm Crystal Chavez. And I'm Renata Sago. Cardenas is a freelance video and photojournalist based in McAllen. She spends plenty of time at a migrant camp across the border in Matamoros, Mexico. Veronica's photos have been displayed in museums, published in the Wall Street Journal, BuzzFeed, and Texas Public Radio's site, just to name a few. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely amazing. And it's just a testament to all the things that are possible outside of a newsroom. Exactly. Some of her photos were even part of a UN presentation. The U.S. southern border is technically closed right now, though Veronica has seen some flexibility for some Americans. COVID-19 obviously knows no borders. Things have changed at the once lively camp in Matamoros. It's estimated 2,000 or more people lived there, the majority seeking asylum in the U.S. Some have left the camp amid COVID, and nonprofits that help have had to pull back. There's very few, well, there's no technically no volunteers anymore. Before, you would have volunteers going in and out, taking uh, food, doing the sidewalk school. I mean, they're still having classes, but just uh, with their tablets. So there are teachers that are still teaching some of these kids. They're still having like virtual classes. And before there were volunteers going every day, taking food to them. And right now they're still making sure that they get a meal every day, but it's being prepared by people that live in Mexico. And some of the asylum seekers had said that the Food is not the same quality, like it's not the same amount, like, you know, it's it's a bit different. Yeah, so she was telling me it was really a, a lively place with a lot of volunteers and sort of a buzz and the atmosphere has, and the ambiance has, has, things have quieted down just like they have everywhere, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what a time it is to be a photographer documenting these changes because it's it's like what are you documenting you're documenting what can seem like an action you can document the effects of that you know just a few months ago when we think about the elections and even the rhetoric before the border crisis was a huge part of conversation national dialogue international dialogue it was very much one of the critical issues being magnified these stories are in some ways being eclipsed by the COVID coverage. There's sort of compounding stress and trauma there. Here's what she has to say. Imagine they have to worry about their immigration cases, right? They have to worry about their family members back home. They have to, some of them, right, because they've been kidnapped. They have uh, before and even there at the border, they're worried about that. They have PTSD. And on top of that, now they have to worry about COVID-19. In one of Veronica's most recent photos for Reuters, there's a two-year-old little girl. Her name's Allison. She's from El Salvador. She's sitting on a tree swing. And you can see the makeshift tents behind her, the black tarps and dishes and bowls and things like that laying around. She reminds me of my little niece. I was just thinking they're the same age. And then I just think about how fortunate my niece is. You know, she has everything she needs. She's safe. 
And then I just wonder, this little girl, like, what's going to happen to her if she doesn't get asylum? Like, her future, like, I just, it just pulls at my heartstrings, for real. Oh, my gosh, two years old. I mean, I, I can't imagine a migrant camp is the place to really practice social distancing. I mean, when we think about isolation and the, the sort of effects emotionally, mentally of that, you're already dealing with people. These are humans who have who are displaced. And the notion of isolation in the midst of displacement, that's deep. That's heavy. You mentioned something about it not being easy to social distance there. And she she spoke to that. She's like, you know, it's hard to do it at Walmart. You, you're going to be kind of close to people when you're in line. She said, imagine living like that all the time, though, not just while you're out shopping. Their tents are so close together. Uh, when they're going to get their food, right, they have to line up. And it's a little bit difficult to, to get everybody going to keep that distance. It is, it is a little bit of... Uh, it's kind of difficult to do that and like even when you go to the I mean going to the to the to the restroom there's plenty uh now but and they clean them you know they try to clean them often they have hand washing stations all over the camp uh, a thing they did in response to COVID-19. So just to take it back now a little bit on about Veronica and her career, she left a full-time job as a teacher to pursue photography, her passion. She knew she wanted to photograph people. She says she loves the flexibility that freelancing allows. I don't know if I would work for a newsroom. Uh, maybe, maybe in the future. I don't know if that would be two years from now or five years from now or never, <laughs> maybe never. But I, I do love the freedom to be my own boss and to, I never say no to an assignment. I never say no unless I cannot do it because I'm not here or I'm booked. But I never say no because I don't work every day. But I love the fact that I have the freedom to not work if I don't want to. Renata, like you said, she's sort of always been beyond the newsroom. You know, and that raises a really good point. Some people never enter a newsroom. A lot of people who enter this this world of, of storytelling, they're just doing it because they want to explore questions. They want to answer questions in their own creative way. You know, for some people, a newsroom is a space where you can make that happen. News in itself is, it's, it's daily events. There's always something going on. And when you're in a news environment, that gives you constant content to be able to respond to and, and explain and deliver to an audience. But the interesting thing about someone like Veronica is like, she's telling stories that that deeply matter to her, you know? She's able to develop her own beat and that makes the, the work strong, you know? Exactly, she assigns herself and assigns herself projects and assignments that, that speak to her because that's her home, the Rio Grande Valley, that's where she's from. You know, she mentioned the joys of freelancing, being your own boss not working if you don't want to but she's you know said it's not for everyone I don't have kids I just have to take care of myself technically I don't have other responsibilities 
So for me, freelancing works, uh, but this might not work for somebody that has kids, that has a spouse, that uh, has other responsibilities. I met a freelance photographer who told me something a little bit similar. I think she had started out as a photographer and then she took a break from doing the freelance work while her husband went to medical school and so once he was able to get his MD and was making more money she was able to get back into freelance photography so I mean I definitely think that it is a bit of a hustle but so much of freelancing it it really if we reframe this term it's really being a small business owner like a creative entrepreneur you know like crystal I don't like the term freelancer (laughs) oh I know you you want to you always say independent we need to come up with a different term it just it does or like in like entrepreneur really I mean because she her product are her photographs really and she's 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 selling her work to institutions like, I guess some of the stuff is commissioned and some of it isn't. But, um, you know, just as reporters of different backgrounds can bring more diverse voices and nuanced stories to the table, the person behind the camera can affect the final product. There is a, a, a difference. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that my perspective is the best. I, I believe that all perspectives are needed because they're different. So because of you know, my background, I might see different things that other people cannot see that, that were raised in a very different uh, community, right? That come from a very different background. They might come here with something different in mind and, and trying to find certain things. Yeah, so Veronica was saying when she first started covering migrant caravans, she was looking to take pictures of suffering because those were the images that she had seen in the media. Or, or at least those were the, the most prominent images, right? Because that's what you see the most, like how much they suffer and all of this. But when I joined the migrant caravans, I realized that that wasn't it. There was also joy. And I didn't think that my photos were that great because I just couldn't find that suffering like that so much but it's all about perspective it's the photos like what you make is also a reflection of who you are she was taking pictures of migrants doing everyday things and in doing that she showed their humanity where she realized the whole story isn't all about suffering that she found joy there as well and you know the kid on the swing people playing life there's still these other life moments and i hate the word but you know sometimes it can feel like in the media it's that suffering that someone thinks they're going to go find they're already coming with an idea in mind of what they're going to picture versus just going and documenting what they're seeing in real time Some of the best advice Veronica has ever heard is you have to go to a place where there are few other photojournalists. And that is so, so true. I mean, because you want to be a voice, a face, a messenger for this region. It can be a bit um, concentrated. You can have a lot of people flocking to one place. But if you could find a certain space and and master it, then, then that can make you a sort of person that 
institutions come to, news outlets come to. Oh, oh, she, he knows this area. Oh, he or she already has a body of work. You're right. If you can carve out a niche for yourself so that people think of you, and these are national outlets that think of her when they want to cover this migrant camp in Matamoros, and it's a huge camp. So one of the first assignments that Veronica did, she went to Nuevo Laredo to take photos of stranded Cubans when President Obama ended the wet foot, dry foot policy in 2017. El presidente Barack Obama anunció el jueves la anulación de una vieja política migratoria que permitía a cualquier cubano que llegara a suelo estadounidense quedarse y obtener estatus de residencia legal. The end of wet foot, dry foot, I remember that so much being in the newsroom and just how big it was because, uh, you know, people like to lump Latinos all together as this monolithic group, but everyone has had different immigration experiences and Cubans have always had an advantage with them. As long as you uh, set foot on U.S. soil, they had sort of a faster track to citizenship here. And the end of that policy was putting them at more of a footing with other undocumented groups of Latinos, such as those from Mexico and Central America. And that was something that Cubans weren't used to. Mm, mm. Were you covering that? We were together in the newsroom, right? We were in Orlando. Yes, yes. I did cover sort of before that when the, um, and I think you did too, when um, Obama was sort of thawing relations with Cuba and um, flights were starting to take off between Orlando and Havana. And I was talking to generations of Cubans who had different sort of feelings about this and there was a lot of pain in some of the older generations and some of the newer younger generations were sort of excited to go and see these places that they'd always heard about growing up or seen pictures of but had never been there. I do remember having to cover when the flights opened back up, commercial flights, and talking to a couple of uh, independent journalists who were leaving basically on that first flight. Okay, so back to Veronica. She covered Cubans who were stranded in Nuevo Laredo. So she did that, and then a friend saw her there and saw and was saying, hey, you like taking photos, there? Eh? There's going to be this migrant caravan coming. You should come and take pictures. And at first, Veronica felt like some of us do. I'm not ready. She didn't think she was ready. At that moment, I didn't have the, the equipment that I needed. I only have, I had at the time a small camera with like five batteries, but the batteries drained very quickly. And I thought, no, I don't have enough equipment. I don't have enough batteries. I would need a better camera and this and that. That camera was like $1,200. It wasn't that expensive and it had no interchangeable lenses. And uh, it was a Fuji X100T. So, but then I thought, no, those are just excuses, Vero. You're, you're always going to have excuses not to do something and you're never going to be 100% ready to do anything. So just do it. And she made a decision fast. And within a few days, she was with this particular migrant caravan. So it's seeing an opportunity and using like what you have. You may not have everything you think you need, you know. Start where you are with what you have. That is so crucial. Yeah, I know when I 
left the newsroom, I was thinking, I don't have studios. I don't have, you know, access to all the equipment I always had access to. But I'm making it work, sitting here in my closet, <laughs> talking to you. Yay! <laughs> I love it. Same here. It's crazy because I had grown so used to using the work-issued laptops. I got myself a laptop. I got myself a recorder, a microphone. I think one of my jobs, oh, yeah, they let me keep a microphone. They let me keep some of the equipment, which I appreciated. And then when you when people call you and they're like, hey, we want your voice or we want you to do this, you have the tools to do it. A lot of times that's what allows you to get over the hump is having the tools. A lot of what Veronica talks about is diversity behind the camera lens. How much of an effect do you think that has? Oh, man, that is a huge, huge part of storytelling because what catches my eye may be different from what catches another photographer's eye. You know, I may, from a campaign coverage perspective, for example, go to a rally and have my camera and find one side of a whole room more fascinating than another. We're talking about just taking pictures beyond the sort of candidate behind the podium type uh, type image. So, and I think about the WPA, you know, back back in the what thirty was it the thirties or forties? Yeah, back during the Great Depression, photographers were hired to go out into rural communities and to capture rural America. And so there was a diverse group of photographers, and they brought back a lot of different images. Gordon Parks was one of them. A lot of his images catered to black people. They captured black life in the South, the rural South. They captured challenges that people faced and also the pride that they had. So I absolutely think that it's important for institutions to have a diverse pool of photographers in order to be able to have a diverse perspective and bring that to the audience. Let us know your thoughts. How are we doing? You can email us anytime at doyouhoney at gmail.com. I'd love to get tweets from you. I'm at Crystal R. Chavez. Renata tweets from at Renata Sago. Yes, this is our song, our jam, Picante by Sonato Productions out of Sweden. Hope this edition of Beyond the Newsroom has inspired you to take a leap, whatever that means for you today. I'm Renata Sago. And I'm Crystal Chavez. Now I'm inspired to go take some pictures. 